Hello, this is Bayo Fadjuba. We're so excited that you are joining us today. If you're a part of our DCH family, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you. Please find us on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, or you can even join us on our website at www.dch.church. We can also get you plugged in via the Church Center app where you can find our connect groups, upcoming events, as well as given options if you would like to help us spread the gospel of Jesus everywhere. I hope this word today blesses you, encourages you, and inspires you to greatness. Let's get started. We have Dr. Tobori Kokoriche. He, is, um, he has over 25 years of medical experience. He graduated from the University of Joss Medical School. <laughs> and he had, <laughs> he had his postgraduate degree um, from Drexel University here in America. He started the practice with his wife and um, with practicing internal medicine, family medicine, but now he has diversified into functional medicine. We're going to find out what that is very soon. And so, also, my name is Mercy Olumoyua. I'm a family nurse practitioner. I'll be coordinating the um, discussion this morning, and um, Dr. Modukwe Bolaji is going to be helping us with the Menti Code. We have a Menti Code um, where on that website, if you can send in your questions um, as we discuss. We're not going to talk everything medicine. We're just going to talk about a few things. But please, if you have any questions, please send it to the Menti code right there on the screen. And then um, later, Sister Bolaji will be able to um, go through it with us. So we're going to start with um, Dr. Ashaya right here. So we know that the Bible tells us um, in John 3, 12, uh, um, John 3, 2, that um, the will of God that we should prosper and be in good health. It's the plan of God. The Bible says that um, by his stripes we are healed. And so we believe as Christians that there is divine healing. But that, does that in any way interfere with us seeking medical help if we need to, especially for preventative screening? Good morning, church. <clears throat> um, absolutely not right. As um, Christians, God has given us um, a lot of gifts in the world that he expects us to make use of. So, and then he puts his supernatural power over it. So we have the natural laws <laughs> that we have to obey. So in terms of preventative care, um, you know, um, it's very important that we do seek preventative care, absolutely. Okay, so what kind of preventative screening are we, go are we talking about here? Absolutely. So um, let me start with the story first. So I had a 30-year-old young man come into the office, and um, he just felt fine. And as I was listening to his heart, I noticed he had an irregular beat. And I looked at him, and I was like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. I was like, okay. So I listened again, and I was like, no, this beat is definitely irregular. So we got an EKG, and he was in atrial fibrillation, which is an um, urgent um, um, that needs to be urgently managed. And I was shocked, right, because he didn't have any symptoms. He felt perfectly fine. And I say this just to illustrate the importance of preventive screening. So people really should start um, seeing their doctor for prevention at age 18 when they become an adult for, and even obviously children will see a doctor when they're born and going forward. 
And the reason is many serious health conditions actually do not show any symptoms until much later. So early detection gives us the opportunity to reduce the risk of or even reverse it in some cases. And when we treat early, we can cure many things. So there are many things to um, screen for, but before I address all the things that we need to screen for, I want to talk about you know, what screening is. Screening is based on the history and the physical exam, including the person's personal medical history, their family history, which is really important. So you should find out what your family history is. Um, if somebody dies at 40, it's not natural causes. So <laughs> someone, you need to find out what happened. Also, um, their nutrition, their sleep, their um, activity level, their profession will affect their medical history. So some people sometimes will only check one part of their body. I have patients that they will do their pap very regularly and then they would not do their mammogram. But that's missing the point. The body is a whole. It's like you stub your toe, your whole body hurts, <laughs> right? So you have to think about the body as a whole. So it's really important that you know, when we're screening, we're screening the whole body. The other thing I want to talk about is um, screening is for people that do not have symptoms, but it's also based on risk factors. So there are companies that take advantage of people that are doing whole body scans, but those people actually don't even have any risks for a lot of the things that they're screening for. And so it doesn't make any sense. So it's important that when you're screening, you, people understand what they're actually screening for. So go to a doctor who can help you put that whole thing together, figure out what your risks are, and then we'll go from there. So generally, we'll screen for heart disease, for blood pressure, heart rate, screen for diabetes, cholesterol, um, then we'll screen for cancers, colon cancer, breast cancer, you know, cervical cancer. Most cancer screening starts at age 40 for um, many of the cancer screens, but some of them for cervical cancer starts at 21. So depending on the person's personal risk, it might actually be earlier than that. So it's important not to just assume that because your sister had a cancer screening at a certain point doesn't mean it will be the same for you. It might be completely different. We also screen for infections like HIV, hep hepatitis, STIs. We screen for mental health conditions, anxiety, depression. So there's a lot that we would look at depending on the person. But in summary, it's important to do a health screening. Think about the whole body, the entire you, not just parts. Remember, many serious conditions do not have any symptoms until very much later. And imagine if something was found early, you're completely cured or it's reversed. It's such a, it's, it's awesome, you know, then you can enjoy your life in good health. So it's really important to, to screen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Shai. Now, Dr. Chooks, we know that the Bible says that our youth is renewed. Uh, the moment that the Bible says that he daily renews our youth, you know. So as we get older, especially for those above 50, what are the healthcare um, issues that are pertaining to those that age group and what should they watch out for? Praise the Lord. Almost everything she's mentioned. And um, I think one thing, one big takeaway I want us to get from this discussion is your first and most important screening is getting a primary care doctor. Amen? So, because um, everything is individualized, we can't say for everybody, go get a pap smear and get it every year. 
you know, we can't say for everybody, go get a CT scan of your lungs and get it every year. So everything is individualized. So you need a manager of your health. And that manager now works a plan that is individualized for you. Now, by the time you hit 50, uh, most likely you notice you've, your midsection is getting bigger than it used to be. <laughs> Obesity is now an issue. You cannot eat the way you used to. And with that, um, before you know it, your primary care doctor will tell you your blood pressure is going up, um, your hemoglobin A1C is going up, and then if you're not careful, the next thing you know, you are actually hypertensive, you're diabetic, and if you're not getting your screenings on time, some other issues come up. So I I'll give you an example. Um, a gentleman I know, about 48 years old, went in to get his colonoscopy early, and they found out that he had a precancerous growth. So they took it out. And three years later, he went back. They checked. There was nothing. Right? So if he hadn't had that colonoscopy, three, four years down the road, we'll be having prayer vigil for him and saying, God delivered this man from the spirit of cancer. But because he did the right thing at the right time, this matter was taken care of. Okay? Praise the Lord. Now, I know one... Um, one contentious issue because we are African-American is prostate cancer. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff about it in the news. I would like to say, one, being African-American, we are more high risk for prostate cancer. But it's not a one-size-fits-all. Okay? Um, the U.S. Preventive Services Tax Force says, have a discussion with your primary care doctor. Because sometimes... The treatment is worse than the disease. Okay? So, let's, let's look at data. If you do autopsies on um, 75-year-olds and above who have passed on, you're going to find at least 50% of them have prostate cancer. But they didn't die from prostate cancer. They died from something else. So, that is why it's important to individualize care, individualize screening. Um, talk with your doctor and he'll tell you how high your risk is, what is good for you, and what is bad for you, okay? If for any reason you had significant smoking history, that puts you at high risk for lung cancer, then you need to get regular CAT scans to check on your lungs to make sure there's no single sp spot growing. Why is this important? I mean, oh, well, you all know why it's important, but one of the things that impressed me when I started practicing in the U.S. was the number of patients I saw in their 80s and 90s that their medical history says they have beaten breast cancer, they have beaten colon cancer. And this is all due to the fact that they did the right thing at the right time. Okay? These things don't have to be a death sentence. If we do the right thing at the right time, we'll be just fine. Thank you. Thank you so much. Dr. Salami, so um, talking about pediatrics, when should um, parents be concerned about a child's developmental milestones? especially those below six years old. Um, these days we hear about developmental challenges like autism or, you know, different kinds of developmental challenges. When should a parents be concerned about it? Or how? Or what should they do? So, first of all, I want to agree with Dr. Chooks. We can't overemphasize the importance of having a primary care pediatrician because you're not a physician. And Google is not a doctor. So... You really want someone who cares about you. That's important. You can't just have a, a physician. You go in. You don't feel you connect with that person. 
that person has to care about you. You have to be able to ask questions, not like waste the person's time, but you want to connect with someone to guide you. Something else that's also very important is that when you check Google, go to CDC. There's an app for parents. Um, it's called the Developmental Milestone app. So if you're pregnant or you have a baby, you just download it and you check the milestones at two months, six months, you know, two months, four months, six months, and you can just follow through like that. So at two months, you want the baby to be able to hold up um, her head. At six months, they roll from back to front. At one year, they should be able to pull to stand. 15 months, they should be able to walk. If I told you everything, you probably won't remember, but there's an app for it. And um, I think for many parents, they actually notice it because parents are cheerleaders for their children. So by the time you feel something is wrong, something probably is wrong. Um, but what I find with many parents, especially people from a Christian background and from an African background, is this conflict between what is healing, where do we draw the line between what God can do and where medicine starts. And so there's this confusion. If, we, if you say your child has a delay, does that mean you don't have faith? If you seek medical attention, does that mean you don't have faith? And so it's either they, they ignore it because they feel helpless to it, or they get to a situation where they feel this faith in isn't really working. So for the children, we just get medical care. So sometimes there's a conflict in the family where maybe the child has a fever, and then the husband is like, let's pray. The wife is wearing her clothes, going to, ready to get, go to urgent care. So there's that, you know, there's that conflict. It really shouldn't be that. The Bible says that faith is the evidence of things we hope for. Um, sorry, is the, is the evidence of things we don't see. Faith is holding on to God's word from the spiritual and it get, becomes manifested in the physical. So we know that things that we see now, they came out of things that did not exist. So this whole world was created first in the spirit, then it manifested in the physical. So first, faith is first of all holding on to God's word. And let me give you an example. Like we remember in the Bible when the children of Israel were into the wilderness and they were hungry, God gave them manna. They got to the promised land. God said, you're going to dig, you're going to harvest, you're going to eat your food. It's the same God. It's the same word of God that's giving these people food through manna, through harvesting. We see when Jesus Christ was tempted by the devil, the devil said, turn this stone into bread. Jesus said, ah, the situation, the, the real issue is not the bread or the stone, but is that man must live from the word of God that proceeds from the presence of God. So healing, first of all, starts from the presence of God. You connect with the word of God for your healing, first of all. How it manifests, it can manifest through drinking Panadol. It can manifest through Tylenol. It can manifest through, I rebuke you, headache in the name of Jesus. There are all kinds of factors that result in how it manifests. And we may not have time to go through why some respond to this and the amount of faith you need. But what's important is that first of all, you must connect with it first of all in the presence of God and receive the word of God in your heart. Then how it manifests, it is still God. God can heal cancer through an oncologist. God can heal cancer where the cancer disappears tomorrow. So don't get yourself fixed into if it doesn't happen this particular way, it's not God, no. God, as long as you first of all connect with it in the presence of God, then you manifest it. 
and then it sustains. Anything you don't get from the presence of God, you cannot sustain it. Thank you, Dr. Salami. Now we're going to be uh, moving on to Dr. Tobori. This is quite interesting. So, um, Dr. Tobori, we're going to be talking specifically about married people, or, you know, generally about um, people as they get older or even when they're much younger. If your libido begins to get low, what do you do? <laughs> Great question. Because it's also part of our health. Dr. Chayu said we talk about everything about health from, from head to toe. So we have to also talk about our sexual health. Absolutely. Um, first of all, I had the gasp in the, in the audience in the church <laughs> when the question was asked. So um, I think it, there's something to be said about that. But first of all, I want to thank you. I want to thank Pastor Bayo and the one I fondly call Mama. <laughs> for having me here. Um, um, the scripture you quoted first um, to Dr. Ashai, 3 John 2, I, b I believe that's the scripture that God has given me for my life as, um, as a Christian, as a physician, and I pastor the church as well um, in the Redeemed Christian Church. Uh, so it, it's... It's, it's become my life, you know, but at the same time, I've practiced regular medicine, and I still do. I still do some hospital medicine, um, but I also am interested in the well-being of everyone, and sex is one of those things that you can't... Sex is kind of a metric for your health as well. If you're able to... Sometimes, if, if um, as a man, if, or even as a woman, if you're getting older and you're not able to have erections and things like that, it could be something to concern yourself about, um, and that there could be something else going on. It could even be um, something to do with your heart as well, you know, just, just out there. But as far as um, things go um, for, for sex, the, we don't have to have that excuse of I'm not in the mood, or when I'm in the mood, my wife isn't in the mood, or when my wife is in the mood, I'm not in the mood as, as the guy, right? There are things out there, there are things that we can do um, that both of you, the couple, are in the mood at the same time. You know, you're in sync. You can have sex as much as you want. It's, it's all up to you. So it, it's the kind of medicine I practice as well. I don't believe in striving. I believe in letting um, things work well for you. So in addition to the things that we can prescribe, that I can prescribe for you, that I can get you, um, there are also basic stuff that we can look at as far as your health goes. Um, that what, are the, what are the things that are, for instance, do you have a low level of dopamine in your brain? Because if you do have a low level of dopamine, your libido is going to be low. But again, there's something that, um, a peptide that you can get, again, for the husband, for the wife, um, that you, you can take as often as you want or as little as you want, but it does the work for you. It, it puts you in the mood. It gets you in the mood. So whether you want to or not, you're going to have to. You will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's no excuse anymore, like I said. Um, <laughs> like I said, this is very important in our marriages because if you're, if you're not having sex, if you're not 
if, if you guys aren't connecting, it's not just about sex though, but if you guys aren't connecting, then the marriage is getting strained, you know? So this is a bigger problem. Again, it's also about your general health, you know? You, you should be able to do this thing. So again, those, those are kind of things that I'm passionate about, but talk to me um, at the end. Uh, if I'm sure some of the gasp that we heard early on is because it's an embarrassing topic, but there's nothing embarrassing about it. There's nothing that I offer really that I haven't tried myself, so. <laughs> so it works, it does really well. Talk to me about it, okay? We have something for you. <laughs> okay, uh, thank you, Doctor. <laughs> Moving on to Dr. Delola. So, when should couples be concerned about um, fertility issues? When should they be concerned? When should they seek medical help? When is it an issue to seek medical help? Like Dr. Salami was trying to say, where do you draw the line between faith? You know, that conflict. So what should, what's your take on that? Yeah, so I'm not a fertility specialist. I'm a primary care doctor, but I see men and women. And so when there's an issue, sometimes I'm their first stop, right? So infertility is when some, um, a couple cannot get pregnant after 12 months of regular regular, I repeat, unprotected <laughs> intercourse. So, and it could be female, male, or male factors, or it could be unexplained sometimes. But before we go into it, I just want to encourage people that may be going through it right now, that God sees you, God hears you, he's not forgotten about you, he will never leave you. And just don't give up, you know. Um, we talked about the uh, weapon is uh, praise um, and that we're going to you, you encourage yourself in God and there is grace available. God is faithful. The Bible speaks in Ephesians 1.19 of the exceeding greatness of power towards us that believe. So there's power available. We have the advantage of the Holy Spirit inside of us that empowers us. And so just have an open mind. Obey God. You know, sometimes we don't want just the blessing. We want to dictate to God how to bless us. And that's what Dr. Salami was talking about. God has put stuff in your, your hands. Whatever resources he's given you, take full advantage of it. And God will help us in Jesus' name. So back to your question. Um, people should start getting evaluated depending on different factors. So a woman that is um, less than 35 can wait until 12 months of trying to seek to start the workup, but women that are 35 and older should get to consider workup at six months or less instead of waiting the full 12 months. And then women that are 40 and older may want to actually start the workup right away once they are ready for pregnancy. Also, men and women that have um, medical um, conditions affecting their reproductive organs may actually want to start right away with the workup instead of waiting the whole 12 months. Or if they've had um, chemotherapy or radiation therapy in the past, they want to start earlier instead of waiting the full 12 months. But it's so important that both people are checked, not just the woman. And ideally, around the same time, um, both of them should be evaluated. And we should take into consideration their emotional health and the health of their marriage as well, because sometimes fertility challenges affect the marriage as well. And then um, 
some of the causes are actually reversible. So that's why it's so important to seek help and not just wait, because some things might be something that can be easily reversible. So how to go address it, it depends. Um, first, they'll do a history, they'll do a physical, we'll do lab tests, and then treatments can be recommended based on the cause. So for some people, it's as easy as education, which means you may need to time your intercourse. So it needs to be with the aid of an ovulatory kit. You may say, okay, find out when you're ovulating and time sex around the time of ovulation. So it might be that simple for some people. Some other people we may recommend, you know, trying to get to a normal weight for both the man and the woman. And or, you know, if you do smoke cigarettes, you know, we'll highly recommend that you quit. Um, limiting exposure to caffeine and to alcohol as well can be helpful. And then other people might need more. They may need medication. They may need surgery. They may need um, um, assisted reproductive technologies like IVF and, and all that. But as Christians, our mindset should be formed by what God has said about pregnancy. And I think a couple that has ch challenges with pregnancy, the important thing is just make up your mind to find out what God has said and believe it with your whole heart. And then obey God's leading after that. Don't be rigid. Use all the resources that God has given us, but don't just sit back. This is something, you know, you get up and you fight back. And God, you know, just don't ignore what God has given us. And then um, you'll see that when you take a step, things will, God will start opening doors. You may not, you may not see it all at once, but just take that first step. And, and God, by God's grace, um, he will show you what next to do. And um, I just wanted to say that, you know, I pray for everyone here who is in that situation, that that exceeding greatness of power that is available to all of us believers, that in the name of Jesus, that going forward, you will, you will walk in that power and that the grace of God will sustain you, will keep you, will help you in this time. And that going forward, your countenance will change like that of Hannah's because you will know that it has been done. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Dr. Um, A.K., now as we get older, what are some of the habits or um, tips that you can give us to help age healthily and gracefully, especially as pertaining to our food. Thank you. Um, it reminds me of another question you asked me about the Nigerian diet. <laughs> so, um, somebody said you are what you eat, you know, and um, we are in transition in a sense. Most of us grew up on one diet and we're getting integrated to another diet. Um, some of us grew up on a certain diet and we are personally transitioning ourselves. So, um, to, to, uh, to focus it on the Nigerian aspect, I'll, I'll, I'll give us a little scientific background. Um, my friend, Pastor Banki, um, published a paper about 23 years ago about the effect of diets on heart disease um, in Nigerians. So he looked at the blood vessels, he dissected, oh well, he's a pathologist, so he did autopsies, a whole lot of autopsies, looked at the blood vessels, 
And the strange thing he found was that there were no blockages. This was 23 years ago. Repeated about 10 years later, same thing. So, um, I actually put this question to himself and a whole lot of my colleagues in this field. And then um, something interesting came up. Last week, the West African College of um, Physicians had a meeting in Ibadan. So I used the opportunity to pass the question to them. And um, a few of them got together to discuss it. Diet and Africans. And this is what they had to say. The traditional African slash Nigerian diet worked for the traditional life we lived. But things are transitioning, okay? So, the average diet we had was high in calories. So, there would be a big mound of fufu and soup and everything to go with it, right? It was high in calories. It also had vegetables, fruits, and all that. So, that made it healthy. And then, even the calories we had were usually complex carbohydrates. Um, it wasn't processed flour, it wasn't sweet drinks and all these things that are killing us today. And so it worked so far as we had a very active lifestyle. So here we are today, most of us are, we live in the suburbans, right? We live in the suburbs, we don't exercise much. Um, and in addition to that, we've added soda, we've added um, processed grains, a whole lot of processed meats. So this diet that we are on, by the time we add it to the high carbohydrate content of what we had originally, um, the word they told me is it's a killer. Okay? So that's from the West African College of Physicians. Now, how can we make it better? We can eat more fruits and vegetables. Less of the big mound of carbohydrates we're used to. Okay? More fish and, po and poultry and less red meat. Let's keep away from processed meats. So by the time we do these things, we can have a diet that fits the life we live, okay? And then on top of that, we don't have to accept a sedentary lifestyle. We should get up and go. Praise the Lord. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Salami, how can we prepare our teens, um, children generally, um, as, especially teens as a transition during poverty, Poverty, um, adjusting to the changes in their bodies, sexual health. Um, how can we help them through this process as Christian parents? Um, yes, thank you. So, um, generally, puberty in children is for girls starts about 10 to 14, for boys about 12 to 16. Earlier in Africans, earlier in people who are, I won't say obese, but overweight. So if they are growing faster, they're going to get to puberty faster. And as Christian parents, especially from the Nigerian background we came from, something that sometimes we are not all sensitive to is the difference in the, the culture we grew up in and the culture that our children are faced in. We grew up with a culture where you have like, even if you don't have senior brothers and sisters, you have like cousins and all kinds of support systems and neighbors and your neighbors have cousins, and everyone just kind of talks to everybody, and somehow there's this support system, and it filters down. The children here don't really have that. It's a more isolated kind of culture that they're growing in. 
So as well as being a parent to your child, you also want to be a friend to your child. You want your child to be able to, you can't say, oh, this is what my father did. You could never talk to my father like that. How dare you? You can't do that because they are faced with different challenges today. They don't have the support system that you had. So you want to be their parent. You also want to be their friend. And you want them to be able to talk to you. Um, with girls and boys, it starts by usually with, you know, breastboarding. And uh, with boys, their testicles start to grow. And you want them to be able to tell you. You want to notice it. For many parents, it's shocking because it's their own puberty was so many years ago. So as a pediatric emergency doctor, I can't count the number of times I have a mother coming in. They're bringing the child to me. They're panicked. They have tears in their eyes. The child has a breast lump. And then I look at them, and they can see my face. And then it quickly just dawns on them. And they're like, oh. And OK, that was a 2,500 <laughs> ER visit. But the idea is it happens to all of us. You don't remember that you passed through that phase. Um, but you want the child to talk to you. You want to notice it. You want to talk to your primary health care physician. And as they grow, they start having changes in their bodies. So you start to tell them from the age of eight because you know African-Americans, they started early. You want to let them know this is what to expect. These are the kind of discharges that are going to happen. These are the kind of things you're going to see. So they don't see it and they're like so embarrassed and they're crying. You want to tell them to expect this. You're going to have some acne. It's part of it. You had it growing up too. And you want, to, you want them to be able to kind of confide in you through that period and not go to social media, or right now the main thing is there's, this, there's always some YouTube influencer that's talking about stuff. And then you have a 12-year-old that's teaching other 12-year-olds about puberty. And you don't want that to happen to your children. So I, I just can't reemphasize enough the importance of being close, um, having a primary care physician that you connect with, and also being able to connect with your children such that they can confide in you. Thank you. And um, Dr. Tuberi, so um, we've talked about our diet, we've talked about fertility issues, we've talked about our children. One of the um, major health issues we have today in America, especially, is obesity. How would we address that, especially from the medical point of view? Thank you again for that question. Um, yeah, obesity is one of those things that I'm passionate about, uh, along with mental health and, and a few other things. But obesity, um, it, again, I believe in doing something that you don't have to strive towards. So as far as obesity goes, there's even a, a slightly more rudimentary way of looking at obesity, something that I've done with some patients of mine. It's um, looking at your genetic information and and, and uh, going by your genetic vulnerabilities and, and then um, looking at um, the diet that works better for you as because it's not a one-size-fits-all. Based on your genetics, you may actually, unfortunately, do better with a vegetarian diet. I don't have the guts to be vegan. I've tried that a few times with Daniel Fast. I'm glad that's not my, that's not my thing. <laughs> but. <laughs> But for some, it may be your genetic predisposition. It may be what works for you. Um, there, there's, some, there's a genetic um, vulnerability called MCR4, for instance, that is common amongst us as Africans. 
if you have that genetic predisposition, then there's stuff you can do. But something that I've also done that with my wife and my daughters that they've taken is also a peptide that has worked for everyone I have given it to as well um, in, in helping lose weight. So that's, again, some, again, I still believe in letting what you do work for you rather than you striving towards it. So there's, there's um, a peptide you can have as well that is around that you can take, and really your appetite goes away for the most part. It reduces the appetite. It reduces the, the time um, food <laughs> takes to go down. It reduces the, you're not going to have the ability to eat that mound of fufu, no matter how hard you try. <laughs> you know, it's going to do the work for you <laughs> because, um, again, so that's something else that, that I'm passionate about that is available to you. Um, if you look at the cost of obesity um, in your life and, and then just taking those kinds of steps and to get the help, to get the, 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 you know, the medication that you might need for that, the, the peptide, that's something else that I can help with that I'm, again, really passionate about. I have a lot of my patients um, on this and it works for them. It's, it's a peptide you can get as well. And you're pretty much going to lose weight without it. Trying, without trying hard. You don't have to, you're, you're still gonna need to exercise, <laughs> but you don't even have to go to the gym, you know. You, but I'm still gonna encourage you to go to the gym. You're going to lose weight based on that. It's going to do the work for you as well. Amen. Amen. So now we're gonna be moving over to the mighty questions. Um, Dr. Dupe. Thank you. Please, uh, can we put this, um, the Menti code up so that anybody that still needs the Menti code can have it? Go All right, ahead. Great discussion from our panel this morning. Can we celebrate them one more time? Thank you <laughs> so much. Okay, we have this question on, um, it's, I mean, most of our discussion has been on preventive health. And uh, we have this very good question that says, um, um, how can I choose um, the right primary care physician? Like, what are some of the procedures or what should I look out for? Just pick one of them. <laughs> Dr. Shai actually has a, a private practice. And she has a table out there. You can please stop by her table. But I'll say, you know, you, you want to talk to the doctor and see if you connect, honestly. Someone that makes you feel comfortable, that you can actually tell what's going on. You know, because the more you tell us, the more we can help. So it's important that you, you do connect with your doctor. Okay, Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Um, we have several questions on the human papilloma virus vaccine. And um, the question here says, can you enlighten on us on that? And then there's a follow-up question that says, should we encourage our children to get vaccinated with the HPV vaccine? Dr. Salami. Yes. <laughs> yes, you should. You should. Um, the HPV vaccine is, is uh, will I say, a lifesaver. It's like I, I believe medicine is of God, and God gives people, gives us the knowledge and the science because He's given, you know, the heavens belong to the Lord and the earth is given to man. So He gives us the science to combat some of these things. And uh, cervical cancer is, uh, we, we do know that um, the human papillomavirus, we do know that it's one of the major causes. 
And so once you get vaccinated against it on time before you're exposed, especially before you're exposed to that virus, usually by sex, um, it reduces the chances of you having cervical cancer significantly. I have gotten the vaccine, and the vac time the vaccine even came out, I was in my 20s, and I ran to go and get the vaccine. I'm like, I don't even care if I meet the criteria or not. There can't be something that good out there, and I'm not getting it. So I don't see any reason why you shouldn't get it, except, of course, there's a reason. Maybe you have some allergy to the vaccine, which you can discuss with your primary health care uh, physician. So I'll say it's a big yes. Okay. Any more questions from Nancy? Yes, we have okay. several. <laughs> Okay, I have this very good question on sexual intimacy here. And it says, what can I do? My wife and I are in our mid-60s. She no longer has a sex drive like she used to have when she was younger. But I still have a high sex drive. Please, can you help me? Because I still need her. In, a, in the 60s. Yes, I can take that. Just like, how many of us have heard of Susan Summers? Okay, so she's quite older, and she and her husband, they, they pretty much have sex every day. So it really doesn't have to be something that stops because you're 60. Now, if there's a medical reason, if there's a medical condition here, yeah, that's something to explore. But as far as intimacy goes, I, I didn't even talk about um, something else you can add to the peptide that I was talking, that I mentioned earlier, <laughs> is sometimes it can also be combined with oxytocin. And what that does is, I, the reason I didn't say it initially is I know the men are gonna be like, mm, I don't think that I want that <laughs> initially, but um, if, you, if it's combined with oxytocin, it actually pulls you and your spouse closer. Um, that intimacy begins to, to develop even some more. Again, it's something that if both of you use it or whichever partner has a lower sex drive, it definitely can change all that. So it's something that would definitely work for that situation. Okay. Can Thank we you so much. One more question? One more? Yes. <laughs> okay. So um, there's a question here about family history. It says that is it the responsibility of the parents to share with the entire family, the, the entire family history to their children. I mean, parents telling their children about the family history. And if that is right, at what age should that happen? And how much family history should you tell your children? Dr. Ike. Um, I don't think it's a big deal either way. Um, as a parent, one of my big duties is communicating with my children. And a lot of stuff comes out in a very informal setting, right? How did your grandfather die? How did your great-grandfather die? Um, what about your grandma? So in the end, by the time your kids leave your house, there should have been so much conversation that they should have a pretty good idea. That's number one. Number two, if there's something significant. So um, I heard of a family that... The young men all had cerebral aneurysms. They had um, balloons in the brain that would blow up at the stage and they'll have a bleed in the brain and drop and die. That is very significant mm -hmm. and that is something they need to know before they leave the house. Mm -hmm. If there are any genetic diseases, if let's say if there are sicklers in the, in the family, they need to know 
so that by the time they start dating and thinking of marrying, they will be cognizant of all this. So, yes, information should flow freely from parent to child and backwards on every issue, especially family health. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, go ahead. I, I just wanted to um, add something quickly to that because from our background, I think something about mental health, people tend to be very secretive yes. about mental health. Yes. And yeah. it's kind of like this taboo, you want to just kind of go away and you want to let your children know on time because there are people who have bipolar disease, schizophrenia, some of them are so confused from the, you know, especially from the African background because they start thinking all these things, hearing these things, and they don't know what's happening to them. And their mother went through it, their grandmother went through it, and they're wondering, and some of them are already suicidal before they actually get help. So you want them to know, I mean, as I said before, it always starts from the presence of God, how you're gonna manage things. And some of those people, they, there are some drugs that can manage the neurotransmitters in their brain, and they can live very productive lives. So you really want to be upfront there, just like Dr. Ike said, and let them know so they can get help on time. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I, I just want to get personal on this, on this issue as well. Um, I, I think as Africans, we should learn to be more vulnerable. Uh, we have chosen to live in this society as well. There, there's a reason things work better. So um, I did this test on myself that I usually have people do it. It's, um, again, looking at your genetic, um, your genetic component to know what vulnerabilities you have. It's not like genetic diseases. Is you're healthy, but you want to know what vulnerabilities you have, right? So I did one on myself just after doing 23andMe, or yeah, 23andMe was the one I did. And it told me, okay, cognitively or mental, um, uh, how did they put it? Well, cognitively, executive functioning. It says, hey, my dopamine level is low. You should, sub you should take supplements with dopamine. So I, I didn't pay attention to it because I'm a cheap guy as well. <laughs> I don't want to spend money, right? So I didn't pay that much attention to it. I mean, I took it for a little bit. I, I took a substance called rhodiola. It's um, over-the-counter stuff. Um, I took it for a while and I realized, okay, I felt like I worked, I worked out better in the gym that time, but I soon left it alone. But then I, I began having issues with my wife at home and um, we would she would complain so much about stuff, and I was sure she was just the worst woman on earth um, because she was complaining so much and she couldn't understand. She could just never see where I was coming from because my truth, right? So we, we even went to counseling for, for a while, but at the point I started thinking, you know, maybe I do have something going on. Let me, let me start looking at this. And then I started thinking, is it possible I have ADHD? You know, I started looking at that. I started thinking about that. I'm a physician. I've treated so many people with ADHD. But I began thinking about it. But two weeks ago, I spoke to um, someone who's um, a nurse practitioner, just like we had on the screen earlier, um, a psychiatric nurse practitioner. And I said, hey, this is what I think is going on. I spoke to my friend who's a psychiatrist as well. So it turns out, tying it back to the beginning, it turns out that, okay, yes, I do have ADHD, and it put a whole lot of my relationship and how I have lived my life all this time, it put it all in perspective. The dopamine I told you about that my genetic test mentioned earlier turns out to be something that is really low in people that suffer. Well, it's kind of one of the things 
you have if you have ADHD. And those symptoms are pretty common in our, in our society, those ADHD symptoms, especially in our men. Um, talking to all, a lot of my Nigerian friends, we have the same type of symptoms. Again, this is something that you know, and it's become really powerful to me. It's become something that is my superpower now, that I look at it and I say, okay, so I don't pay enough attention to detail. Um, I'm pretty forgetful at times, but there are ways I can work around that. I don't even necessarily have to say I want to do um, conventional medicine. I, if, if I choose to do things that are natural, I have ways that I'm, I can work around that. I can surround myself with people that are more detail-oriented. So again, knowledge is power, but there's nothing to... I cried for a while. I cried for... <laughs> again, this is just two weeks today because it was on a Sunday two weeks, two weeks ago that I talked to this practitioner. But a little after that, I cried for a while, but I cried for a stupid reason. I'm 52. I have never taken a medication in my life. And I was like, what kind of nonsense is this? How can I have a diagnosis at this age that this is crap? <laughs> you know? It was vanity, yes, but <laughs> that was part of the reason why I cried. But I also cried because, wow, I said, you know, I have lived my life so for this many years and I did not know this issue. I would have dealt with it differently. I would have lived my life differently. I'd, I could have been a lot further ahead than I am today if I had known that. So again, these are the reasons why mental health is extremely important. Your health in general. Amen. Thank you so much. That was actually... Um, talking about mental health, that was actually what I wanted us to round up with because especially since after the pandemic, well, so we're still in the pandemic, but uh, we're no more in the pandemic, but we still have all of the side effects from the pandemic and mental health is a serious issue here in America and all over the world generally. And so it has come to the forefront and thank God that um, you've been able to address it. But I also want Dr. Shay to just shed light on postpartum depression. So um, the postpartum period is 12 months after delivery of a baby. And um, all women that have had a baby should really be screened for anxiety and depression following. And um, usually the screening is just a questionnaire that um, a primary care doctor or gynecologist or any doctor really can do. But family members too can really look out for their family members. Husbands should be looking at their wives and just making sure, is she taking care of herself? Is she, is she interested in taking care of the baby? Is she um, sad a lot? Does she feel, look like she's depressed? Is she not responding to support? Does she feel overwhelmed easily? So it's so important that we're looking out for our family members to make sure that they don't have these symptoms because if they do, they should be evaluated by a professional to make sure that they can be supported through, through it. Thank you so much. One more question from uh, Menti, and then we'll be rounding up. I'll take this question that says that um, I feel like I have diabetes, but I don't want to get checked. Are there ways to reverse it? Um, he feels like he has diabetes and he doesn't want to get checked? It's not a he. It's neither a he or a she, but the person feels. Yes. <laughs> Okay, um, I'll tell you this. Let me assume he's a man and let me give you a bombshell. If you're a man and you're diabetic and you don't check yourself, one day you're going to have erectile dysfunction. Simple and short. 
It's going to happen. So, diabetes is a silent killer. By the time you start to have symptoms, it's too late. It's too late. So, I mean, I'm a doctor, right? I have a primary care doctor. I'm accountable to somebody. About three years ago, he told me, you're pre-diabetic. And then, I started taking steps to make sure I never become diabetic. Okay? I changed my diet around. I started exercising more. And the last time I went to see him, he said, oh, yeah, you're out of that zone. So now, I don't have to worry about all those consequences. So this is one area where ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance will actually kill you. Okay? So if you think, well, even if you don't think you are, you should be checked. Okay? Go see your PCP. Make sure you're checked. Thank you. Okay. Um, we have this great question on fertility issue and it says, are there any suggestions for families with challenges with childbearing uh, who have tried several IVFs and have failed? Please, we need help because it's putting too much stress on the families. That's very personal to me as well. Um, we just have a minute. Dr. Shari, do you want to address that? Yeah, so it's very, um, it's a difficult challenge, you know, if you've tried so many things, you've already seen the super specialist and you're still having um, um, challenges with it. Um, at that point, honestly, you know, you just, I guess you settle it in your mind, what God has said and hold on to it. I think that's basically what it is, that you just settle it in your mind and hold on to what God has said and just refuse to see what is happening and God will lead you because, you know, and it sounds like you've done what you know to do. So just believe that God will continue to lead you and God will give you grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Oh, go ahead, sir. I'd want to use this opportunity to put in a quick word for adoption. All of us, whether we have five children, six children, I have friends and family who have adopted and they love those kids like theirs. And those kids love them from the bottom of their hearts. There's so much love out there that you can enjoy if you open your heart to it. So please don't close your minds. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we have those options. Adoption, surrogacy, fertility. Surrogacy is also there too as so. We have very, I mean, options that you can discuss with um, a doctor and um, by the grace of God and with, um, you settling into your heart where God wants you to go, what direction God wants you to go. There are options out there. Praise the Lord. We had, um, thank you so much, you guys. We had a wonderful discussion this morning. And um, thank you for listening. And please, we have a health fair after the service. We have tables out there. We have blood pressure checks, blood sugar checks as well. So please go out there. Feel free um, for the health fair out there. And this discussion, like I said earlier at the beginning, that we can't exhaust all the topics. So we're going to be continuing with our panel on Wednesday. We're going, but it's going to be a virtual service at 7 p.m. Um, our regular DCH um, Wednesday service is going to be a continuation of our discussion this morning. Please tune in 7 p.m. Um, on our DCH um, YouTube website, YouTube um, channel, and Facebook, and also the um, our website. 
And so also, um, so as we're rounding up, the Bible makes us to understand in um, Ephesians 5, that if there's any, James 5, sorry, if any is sick, let the elders of the church pray. And so because we also are Christians first and foremost, and so we believe in the power of healing, that God heals. Whatever option God decides to use, God is the one that heals. Like upon, um, a doctor said here, even if he decides to use a fertility doctor or he decides to use an oncologist, he decides to use um, a functional medicine practitioner or a regular physician by diagnosing you, he's still the one that ultimately heals you. And so we're going to have our pastor, Pastor Bayo, pray over us, especially for those that, have, um, that need one healing or the other in their body. Can we put our hands together for the panel, doctors? Can I ask that we all stand, please? Let's look at the scripture together as we pray. Um, please, thank you so much, um, guys, for... Is it possible? Let's put our hands together for them. Let them join us down here. Please, I wish... Um, no, I think we can just... Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Let's keep clapping for them, please. Let's keep clapping for them. That's a lot of information. I would see Dr. Coco at the end of the service. So that will be, he will test me for HD. <laughs> Amen. And the one that would make me lose weight without doing any exercise. <laughs> so that I can be looking handsome and muscular for my. <laughs> It's so much information, Pastor. Let's put our hands together for the head of Pastor Shade. Please come. Pastor Messi, please come. Let's put our hands together for these wonderful people. Can we put our hands together for them, please? Information is power. And what we have done today is empowers. This month's theme is divine empowerment. And um, I'd like us to look at a scripture together. In Luke 4, 40 to 41, the Bible says, Now when the sun was setting, why Jesus waited till when the sun was about to set? Why Jesus waited for you to have tried every other means and come to your wit's end concerning your baby, concerning your healing, I do not know. But the Bible says when the sun was setting, for mercy she waited 18 years. 18 years for their first child. Because the girls are coming. We don't know. But the Bible says everybody that was sick, they brought them to Jesus, even at night. When the sun, nobody goes to work at night. The medical doctor's offices are closed. Their only option, their only hope was Jesus. And they came to him. 
And the Bible says, church, he laid his hands on all, not one. He didn't say he was tired. He laid his hands on all of them and he healed them all. It's the month of empowerment. I'd want SOH to give us just a worship song, uh, Palmyra, please. I want ministers to join me up front here. We're going to go into the congregation and we will lay hands. We want prophecy to be fulfilled. Whoever it is that your evening is about to set, you've waited at noonday when you had all the strength, all the money, nothing came through. You're trusting God for one thing or the other, but it hasn't come through. Afternoon came, nothing happened. It looked as if Jesus and heaven has been quiet over you. This pastor's with me and the rest of us, we will lay hands on you and the scripture cannot be broken. Pastor Messi said that the Bible says in the book of James, if any be sick in our midst, let's bring them to the elders. Not biological age elders, but spiritual elders and let them lay hands on the sick. And the prayer of faith would heal the sick. Please, ministers, I'm waiting, please. Dr. Ogwe, I need you here. Because the second portion of that scripture, the Bible says, and demons, not just that the sick were healed, the other dimension for perfect liberty was total release from the influence of spiritual demonic influence. The Bible says, and demons cried out, and they left them. I want to trust God today. I want to trust God today. I want to trust God today. Where's Dr. Oguye? I want to trust God today. I'm asking because the second portion talked about demons. And I know, but there, there's no prison ministry today. They canceled it because they're on lockdown. Oh, so the other one is operational. Okay, thank you. Because I know um, Brother Benu was supposed to be so, they were supposed to be at the prison ministry service today, sir. Yes, but the, the, the prison is on lockdown. So, we're all here. I, I wanted Dr. Guyo to be here because he, he um, does a lot of deliverance and all that. But can we all come? We're going to move into the congregation. Palmyra will do this very quickly, five minutes. But I believe God that everything we've done today is a precursor to what's about to happen. Demons will cry out. The demons of HD, is it ADHD? Sorry, whatever it is. Because that demon will cry out. The demon of Down syndrome will cry out. Whatever it is that is an albatross, that is a weight and a burden, the spirit of depression. Whatever it is, as we lay hands, God would give wisdom and direction. They would cry out and release us so that we can think straight and do what is right. And he would expedite the process of us getting to our predestined place of glory in the name of Jesus Christ. So I want us to take the worship song that they would sing. And the rest of us ministers, we will just join hands, we'll form a circle, we'll pray together, then we'll go into the congregation. And please, if you're let just if you're in the prophetic team, you can join us. I want us to just 
trust God today that as we obey scriptures, heaven will back us up. The Bible says all, they were healed. Not one left that meeting. Not one that is here present today would go back without answers to your questions. Without healing for your body. Demons will cry out. Some would shout. Some would go out quietly. For some of you, you may just begin to smile. You may begin to feel a burden, a weight lifted. A dark cloud may just shift. But just know that God is at work. There may be several different manifestations. But through it all, it is God that is at work. Let's just worship this God. The rest of us, let's close our eyes, please. And just focus on God, please. Thank you. No matter how far we go, no matter what comes your way, He makes a way. No matter how long it takes.
is who you are. One more time, sing it. So we make, we make miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness. If you can speak in the language of the Spirit, just do that. But for the rest of us, if uh, D is around, if D can take the song we took yesterday morning, what we've waited for, we have seen. Just if you remember, Mark, if you can play the song, please. of my voice. What you've waited for has come to pass. What we've been waiting for has come to pass. See what the Lord has done. Just receive it in the realms of the Spirit. See what the Lord has done. Your immigration letter, your papers, your healing, your deliverance from cancer. Every form of disease has come to pass. See what the Lord has done. What we've been waiting for. Holy Spirit divine move in our midst let your power fall on us afresh let your spirit take over father let eyes begin to pop open let deaf ears begin to unstop let demons begin to cry out in the name of Jesus Christ. Let healing take place. Let those babies come forth. Let there be divine connection for marriages. Before the end of this year, Father, let hear many wedding bells, Father. 
Your wedding is coming. Your marriage is coming. Oh, Father, we thank you for answered prayers. Your boy is coming. I see your baby boy. I see you carry your baby boy. watching virtually, wherever you may be, for those elders, for my brother, my sister watching, everything, the miracles are happening already, where you are right now, go in the name of Jesus Christ. a victorious one wherever you may be as a mark a prophetic act I want you to just put your hands together if you are driving right now just pack the car and just clap prophetically victoriously just keep clapping just for one second just keep clapping one more second the church say thank you so much for being a part of our message today if you enjoyed the message I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media you can also jump on our website www.dch.church and click the given link to help us spread the word and the good news all over the world Stay connected and God bless you. Have a great week.